Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Okay, welcome to the welcome to the Fanalytics, the Phantom Analytics podcast, and this time we're doing something very different. I am joined by Mr. Jay Busby. How are you, Jay? How are you, my friend? I am very well. Okay, so what we're doing that's different is that, you know, as you guys know, I'm a professor at the Goizueta School of Business at Emory. And we are moving full on to, you know, people talk about things like hybrid in, in education. And so we're going to do several podcasts that are geared I mean, you know, and o- totally open to the public. I hope you guys enjoy this. But these podcasts are also explicitly linked to a course that Jay and I are going to teach at, at Emory University in early January. The c- title of the course is, Jay, do you actually have the full title? <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. It involves <laughs> digital and analytics and storytelling and uh, all kinds of good buzzwords like that. But the basic idea is just that, that we're going to combine analytics and storytelling, uh, two disciplines that often have kind of looked at each other with uh, suspicious eyes across the divide. And, and we're going to try and bring them together for this class. Okay. So Jay, just, you know, before we get into the course and our vision for the course, this is, this is essentially the introductory section session for the course. I thought we could introduce ourselves a little bit. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Sure. I'll go ahead and lead off. I am uh, a writer for Yahoo Sports. I've been there for a long, long time. Uh, and I, in the course of that, I've covered all kinds of events all over the world. I've covered Olympics and Super Bowls and Masters and Kentucky Derbies and all kinds of uh, events in between all the way down to, to high school and middle school uh, football games. It's, it's tremendous fun to me at any level because uh, I'm taking the storytelling side of this particular class. And I, I love finding the stories that lie beneath the games, the, the fact that uh, you've got a collection of 11 or 9 or however many individual players you have on a field, and each one of them has got a story that is is unique and, and special and contributes to the greater whole. So that's what I look for in addition to obviously the, the statistics and the final score. Uh, I'm li- li- interested in seeing what got us to that point and what got each individual uh, player uh, owner, professional to that point. So that's that's what I'm bringing to the table on this side. Jay, you've covered middle school football games? <laughs> I have. I'm not sure if I got paid for that one, but... Uh... <laughs> okay, and, and you know, 
my my side of this is, you know, I've been a professor of uh, marketing and essentially quantitative marketing for for the last couple of decades. Uh, over the last really decade, you know, so 20, 25 years in terms of marketing, studying issues of customer behavior, studying brand equity. And over the last decade, I've really switched to, you know, kind of the fun side of this, the the candy coating, you know, the candy coated sports side and, and an emphasis on sports marketing. And so when I, you know, so I'll be bringing the analytic side to the, to this equation, the quantitative side of it. Now, I'll be honest with you, Jay, when, when I think about what we're doing, I think we actually have a fair amount of middle ground, especially in terms of where this course is going to be. I tend to think everything is a story. And I also tend to have a very flexible view of analytics. And in some ways, my analytical philosophy on some of this stuff is just be thoughtful about what you're counting. Just pay attention to the needle and be thoughtful. Right, right. And and I would agree with you on, on both counts there. Just starting with the, the story aspect, without getting too far deep into the uh, mythological origins of storytelling and that sort of thing, everything that we consume has some kind of story to it by which we, we have uh, a beginning, we have an action, and then we have an ending in which everything has, is changed to one degree or another. And that, that applies whether you're talking about uh, epic literature, whether you're talking about Shakespeare, whether you're talking about uh, a, a seven-game world series, or whether you're talking about a TikTok video. It all has story, and we all have this kind of need to see how a story resolves itself. The, the, in social media now, we are taught to have much, much briefer attention spans, but, but there's still there's a difference between uh, Instagram, where you have just a picture, and then an Instagram reel or a TikTok, where you have a sequence of events where, I don't know, someone uh, someone ends up with a, a cat falling on their head out of a tree, something like that. It's, it's a change in circumstance that drives people, that keeps interest, that hooks people in. And that's what storytelling to me does is it keeps the audience connected. It keeps them uh, engaged. And then once you've got them engaged, you've got the analytics come into play. We're figuring out exactly how to, uh, to, how to track them. It's interesting listening to you. You know, when I think about what I do, I tend to, and again, I, I tend to exist in a quantitative realm, right? So a lot of numbers, a lot of data. But fundamentally, what I th- think I'm trying to accomplish is I'm trying to, you know, and again, we might use the word stories too much in this, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach something. And, and that something is usually a message, a philosophy, a story, right? And so if, if I do an analysis of quarterbacks or of customers, it, in some ways, what I think should, you know, it's not that I want the numbers to be the, the, the sort of the end point. It's the process of what are the, you know, what are the customers about, right? So let's say we're like, and again, we're maybe they're not the best example, but, you know, if we want to understand why a customer is buying a 12 pack of soda, right? We, we get into all sorts of data, the prices, the advertising, et cetera. But what people really take away from that is kind of the broad brush picture, right? Of, oh, this customer, Jay, is motivated by the discounts. And Mike is motivated by his intense loyalty to Coca-Cola. To me, those are, those are stories as well, right? And, and maybe I guess what I'm, my, my quest is for understanding the world. I suspect, and this is nothing but a compliment, Jay, that you're making an effort to understanding the world in a much more entertaining fashion. <laughs> 
<laughs> as a professor I'm doing. Well, it depends on, on what entertains you. I mean, uh, you know, I am I have a, a deep bone deep uh, allergy to numbers. Uh, I was I was a terrible student in math, but I absolutely love and respect the idea that that data, what data can bring into supplementing a story. Let's let's talk. You mentioned NFL quarterbacks. Let's talk about that now. Uh, you look at. We're talking in the 2022 NFL season. You look at Tom Brady's statistics. He's got the roughly, and I don't have them right in front of me, but but roughly he's one of the league leaders in completions. But his long distance throws have gone down. He's, he's, his completions are much more of a dink and dunk variety. What does that start to tell you? Well, it starts to tell you that maybe he's not losing necessarily arm strength, but he's losing the ability to have that touchdown field. What does that tell you about his long-term prospects? Well, when Drew Brees started having that happen, the end came and it came suddenly. What does that tell you also about Brady's receivers? Maybe his receivers suck. You've got to, you've got to see what they are putting together in terms of yards per catch, that kind of yards after catch, what they're able to do on that level. You go and compare Brady to, to other younger receivers, to a Patrick Mahomes, to a, a Justin Herbert, to a, to a Tonga Valoa. All of these have different aspects and different elements that you can start to discern with the use of data. You can, you can have the eye test. You can kind of have the, the sort of talk radio eye test, like I'd take two over Tom Brady any day of the week. You know, some sports talk radio guy's going to holler, but let's break it down. There is, it is possible to use data, to use advanced analytics to figure out whether you do actually want to start a team with Tua rather than Tom Brady. And if you're starting a team, I would go with, with Tua, obviously. But if you're looking to win a Super Bowl, if you had one game to win, yeah, Tom Brady might still be your guy, but that's the kind of thing that that analytics helps me out in my job in understanding on a deeper level the story that your eyes might tell you. Yeah, and, and look, I, I think analytics probably comes into, you know, in a lot of ways comes into play in what we're talking about in multiple ways. So, you know, it can be analytics driving the story. And, and yeah, throughout the course, I think you and I are going to talk about quarterback analytics just because I think, you know, for the students out there, bone up on your quarterback <laughs> analytics. It's, it's a great place to start for drawing some fundamental lessons about analytics, right? Uh, you know, like off the top of my head, and again, I'm not going to check the numbers here, Brady has an outstanding touchdown to interception ratio this year, I believe. Right. He also is still, you know, I, I think he's thrown for a decent amount of yards, but he has not thrown a lot of touchdowns. And, and so, it, again, it's like, you know, you can use the analytics to complement the storytelling. But the other part of this, and I think this is kind of key for both of us in very different ways, much more directly for you, I suspect, because I, I, Jay, I live in this ivory tower, right? <laughs> this tenured professor, it's like I, I, you know, I can bask in irrelevance. <laughs> but on the other, but you know, if we're both in, and, and I, I mean, I don't think either of us loves the word content, but maybe that's the word du jour. That if both of us produce content, how at some point that content, the success of that content has to be measured, right? right? That someone wants to measure that content. And in my case, the you know, maybe your tradition, what's your traditional metric? Just clicks? Uh, page views. Is it, page right. views? Okay. And maybe my traditional metric was citations. So how many people cite my academic work? Um, that's where I think the world is rapidly approaching something kind of kind of new because, and I'll, I'll just start with myself and you can sort of tell me how you think about it. I don't think citations is a great metric. 
you know, I want to know how many people are reading my work or looking at, you know, my academic papers, but I also want to know how many people are looking at my popular press stuff that's distributed via the website or how many people are uh, listening to the podcast or listening all the way through the podcast or subscribing through the podcast, right? And so there's multiple metrics out there that, you know, you have to look at all of them and figure out a way to combine them. And what I kind of want to know is, is what I'm doing driving the, and again, these, these are funny words, content, engagement, right? And other buzzwords, is what I'm doing the right thing to grow the right types of engagement or, you know, whatever word you want to use? Yeah, engagement, I think, is the key. And, and it, it is, you're right, it's used as a buzzword. But I think once you kind of take the Silicon Valley sheen off of it, that's exactly what you're looking to get, is you're looking to get readers who are, in, and from, in my case, uh, readers who are engaged with what you're doing, readers who are paying attention to what you're doing and appreciate it. It's incredibly easy to get page views. I mean, there's there's been running jokes all throughout my career that all you needed to do was put Tim Tebow in a headline or Kobe Bryant in a headline or whatever. And and there were obviously you know a little bit in number of websites that that uh, approached it, approach it with a little bit more of a sexist approach where you can you can put certain things in a headline and you're guaranteed to get a click. Now is that actual engagement or are they just surfing by and they want to see you know check out this scene of Rob Gronkowski smashing a Lego over Tom Brady's head, you know, something like that, Lego, a Lego building, which, which is out there. But it's, it's the kind of ridiculous thing where you'll, you'll get somebody in a drive-by sort of click, they'll take a look and then they'll move on. Whereas if you have an argument that makes a much more compelling uh, or that, that, that takes things much more in a much more rich direction, why the New England Patriots are sports greatest dynasty and you support it with analytics and evidence and, and commentary, then that's the kind of thing that will get people there and will have them engaged and will have them sticking around. It's kind of the classic sort of, do you want a huge number of people or do you want a smaller number of people who are deeply engaged with what you're writing, with what, with what you're creating, with what you're speaking about? And that's the, that's the balance that you have to weigh. Well, and, I, and where I think that this becomes really challenging, right, and in, in why cultural products, and you know, maybe that's a good term for journal, sports journalism all the way through academic research, cultural products are incredibly complicated products, right? I mean, if you start to think about, you know, if I think about everything that goes into an article or something I do, there's a lot of different dimensions, and then there's a lot of different outputs that I might desire to to have, right? And look, I, I might desire that, you know, I get an interview, I, I write an article and I get an interview request from NPR, right? I mean, it's hard to, it, it's a little different than just, let's say, Coca-Cola putting a discount on a product and then their sales go up, right? There, there's much more complexity there. So do you think about... Do you think about what you do as a, yeah, I, I th- and again, I'm struggling with the words here because I would think you think about the articles you write as a whole, but do you ever think about the parts that go into that whole and how the parts may actually contribute to the whole and may have, maybe sometimes the whole is more than the parts. Does that make sense? You have to think about how what you write will be received and you have to think about 
everything from the lead, which is the opening paragraph or two. Uh, you know, do you want to write this as something where you're setting the scene of what it was like uh, in the in the minutes leading up to kickoff of the of, of Georgia's national championship game, or do you want to go strictly by the book and say the Georgia Bulldogs defeated the Alabama Crimson Tide, blah blah blah? You know, and just go right down the line. You have to think about a way to hook your audience. Part of engagement, of course, is keeping them on the page. You don't want your audience reading the headline, reading the score, and then clicking away to something else. But you do have to think about how it's going to resonate with them. And and I have found that <laughs> one of the sure ways to go and and, uh, and and make sure your audience is engaged unintentionally, and I don't recommend this, is to, is to make a stupid error. If you go and say something like, uh, you know, Georgia coach Nick Saban, then oh my gosh, they're going to be all over you because they're going to be they're they're going to be gleefully calling you an idiot for misidentifying the Alabama head coach. Uh, so it's it's the kind of thing where you need to be aware that your audience their attention span is pulled in a million different directions. Uh, you know, as we're speaking right now, I'm I'm terrible at this. As we're speaking right now, I think I have about. 20 to 25 tabs open on my Google Chrome. And we all have, I've had to shut off my notifications. You know, we all have demands on our time that are pulling at us from every single direction right now. And you're competing with that. So yeah, you can't be, you can't expect them to, you can't expect your audience to sit and give you a half hour of undivided attention the way that they might have 20 or 30 years ago. This is just, you've got to get in and you've got to hook them or they're going to be gone. Okay, so let's get a little bit into the nitty-gritty of what we're going to do here. Yes. Okay, and so we are, and I think this is a line from The Office. It's like this is the the podcast version is the the free version of the course that they offer out at the airport. <laughs> and, and then you got to sign up for the, the other part of the course. And so we're going to do three podcast episodes. Uh, the first one today, sort of talking about the course, giving you a sense of who we are, where we're going to go with that. The second one is going to be more of a deep dive. And I expect I'll interview you on storytelling and then you can interview me on analytics. So deep dives into each, into each side of the, the, the course. Um, let me, let me ask you this. And so that, that's the basic structure. And then we're going to meet with the students via, via Zoom. So it's still going to be remote and we're going to dig further into this. And we're going to, the, the course project is going to be that for the student groups to develop a podcast around some cultural entity. So let me ask you this, Jay. So when you think about what we're doing here, well, you know, here, here's a terrible question. Why are we doing this? Why do you? <laughs> I well, I want to do it because uh, I love uh, a spreading the gospel of storytelling, which is it sounds incredibly goofy and pretentious, but it's also true. Uh, I think that that we are. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go far in the weeds here. This is what I do. Uh, but we are as a society so segmented demographically. You, you look at every one of us and we are painted into a demographic box based on our age, based on our gender, based on our race, based on our income, based on our background. And you can, you can kind of size somebody up based on the box that they are put into. And the whole idea that I would, I like to try to get across is to break out of those boxes, to get out of those sorts of boundaries. If you're an NFL fan, I'm going to speak, you know, go back to my expertise now. If you're an NFL fan, I hope that I can interest you in golf. If you are a NASCAR fan, I hope that I can interest you in the NBA because it's all about stories. It's all about personalities. It's all about something more than just a sport which you may or may not be interested in. And so what I would like to do in this class is help students understand how 
the use of, of kind of classic storytelling techniques, you know, from, from rising action to climax to denouement can apply to any sort of project, any sort of structure that they're trying to put together. And it doesn't just have to be, this isn't about writing a book report or anything like that. This is about creating something on their own and showing how creation from, from beginning to end can really be uh, a really a useful skill to have and a really a, a strong tool to have in your arsenal. Okay. And I'll, I'll add to that is sort of where I'm coming at from this. One of the things that I've noticed over time is, and I think it's, this is a long-term trend where in the, there's sort of an old saying that, you know, that everything, all products are good now, right? All, you know, all potato chips are crunchy, all, you know, all cars get decent gas mileage, you know, they perform well. And so one of the things that's happened in marketing, and I think this is, goes beyond, let's say, traditional marketing categories, is everything has become about the narrative. And that's, you know, the narrative almost sounds like a, di- a, a dirty word, right? This is now suddenly a news organization or a politician, they're trying to spin something. <laughs> but I think there's some truth to that, right? I mean, a, a Coca-Cola is a product that means something. The Chicago Bears are a product that means something. And, and so I think almost every organization has some impact on the culture. And so almost every organization is essentially in the business of storytelling. Right. I mean, you buy a Tesla, you're buying a car, but you're also buying a story. Right. Right. Um, You um, you know, we're building a we're building a Star Wars Lego uh, advent calendar upstairs in my house. Why are we doing that? Because we're building, you know, that that's a story. Right. Star Wars is a story that goes across generations. And so I think just about every organization is involved in that. And I tend to focus these days on the cultural organizations, you know, and again, I'm very broad on that sports, entertainment, politics, um, certain brands, Nike, Adidas, Coca-Cola, Tesla. And so for me, this is a, this is a, a, an interesting class. It's a challenging one to actually kind of put like academic structure around. But to me, this is where everything's going. Everyone is, whether or not companies want to admit it or organizations want to admit it, Jay, everyone's in the content business yeah, that's right a now. great way of put it. That's, that's the line of the class right there. Everyone is in the content business. As you were talking, I was thinking about some of the most wild narrative that I'm seeing on broadcast TV now is in freaking commercials. It's in insurance commercials where you've got this entire cast of characters now that you're following over the course of commercials over years, months and years. And it's about car insurance. It's about boat insurance. Who cares about that stuff? But you've got this whole separate narrative of, of Flo and her cohorts going through their day. Uh, and, and why do we care about this? We don't, but we're told this story over and over again that, that if you were shown pictures, if you've, you've been on TV at all recently, if you've watched TV at all, and you were shown pictures of, of these insurance individuals, you would know who they are. You would know their backstory. You would know what they're, what they're, and it's, it's absurd. And yet it's kind of working too. So that's, I think you're absolutely right that, that everybody is, is trying to, to use the idea of narrative to break through the, 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 the noise and, and get through with a little bit of signal that, that catches people's attention in a way that, that they otherwise couldn't. Insurance is boring as hell. Those ads are not. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, and it's it's actually kind of an amusing one, right? I mean, as you started talking about that, I knew you were talking about <laughs> flow. I, I'm just picturing flow now. 
you know, Flo is now selling motorcycle insurance, right? And they drive off to somewhere in the, you know, in the, in the rural countryside and they get into a circle and they ask questions. But you know, the, the, the hilarious thing about that, Jay, and again, you went deep into the woods. Please, I'm following you. Is that progressive? Yes. That, that's a, you know what? I don't know where you're going with this. That's a good point. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, you know, so part of this, part of this story is always, yeah, they've developed this narrative and I know it's about insurance, but God, sometimes I, sometimes I struggle with remembering what just like who's right. selling what. Right. That's the danger of, of getting too cutesy and getting too fancy is that you start to detach yourself from the, uh, the, the whole point of this is the point is not to tell the stories of, of Flo and her wacky friends. The, the, the point is to try and get you to, to buy this, uh, cheaper, uh, audio auto insurance. And, and when you get too far in one direction, the, the uh, market will certainly remind you. Okay, Jay. So you've already talked a little bit about it. Do you want to expand on sort of what your goals are for the class? I mean, I, I think you've already hit this, but I, I could go into mine, but if you yeah, want to reiterate, yeah, we, perhaps. what we're going to do in the in the course of the class, and we're going to use the the medium of podcasts to do so, which I think is is uh, the idea is to be both forward thinking and to have fun with this. We're going to have students broken up into groups and come up with a common theme to discuss in a podcast. Now, uh, you don't need to be planning on doing a twenty four part. Uh, individual episode hour-long podcast series is a relatively short thing but we want something we want to see people come up with topics that are of a particular cultural interest and are of, of relevance to the group because if you're more interested in it that's going to come through to your listeners and to to show how the this particular cultural moment whether it's like we talked about nfl quarterbacks whether it's taylor swift and the way that that her uh, she has mobilized an entire nation of swifties on, on her behalf whatever it might be uh whether you can show how this cultural moment has strength has grown as a result of narrative and can be tracked by analytics and so from my side of things i want to help uh students develop the story, the, the structure of the story that they're trying to tell, the narrative that they're trying to get across. So that's that's my point of view here, and it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, and so what I'm hoping to add to this is, and this is not going to be a, this is not going to be a stats class. You know, my view of analytics is probably broader than a lot of folks. You know, a, a lot of the world is now fixated on the words machine learning and artificial intelligence and, and big data. I'm actually sort of a, at this point in my career, a small data guy. And that I think data is most of the time kind of a decision support tool, something that guides what you do. And even having a data-oriented perspective is, is something that is helpful that that I think sometimes ends up being lacking, particularly when you get into kind of richer, more complicated products like like things like a podcast. Um, you know, one of the things I'll talk about when I teach on campus is, you know, I, I teach a lot of sports analytics. And so when we think about sports analytics, you're using data. You know, the, what's the classic one? Billy Bean was using data to find what kind of players, uh, Jay? It was five tool players or players that could get, could, could, uh, get RBIs. Okay, but or, or under, undervalued, but under, yes, yes, undervalued, yes, below yeah. market value. Uh, okay, and so to me, you know, analytics is never going to be something where if I've got 
you know, there, there's never going to be one number that tells me which guy I should draft, you know, to play quarterback for my team or who should play first base for me, right? It's just, that's, that's not how, that's not how it works. So for these kind of complicated products, whether it's a podcast or an athlete, right? The reality is your approach to the analytics should be, let's call it thoughtful, and always trying to get to the numbers, but also being willing to understand that sometimes the numbers aren't going to aren't, aren't going to be there, right? I mean, you know, and I'm just like I, I'm. What what when you write for Yahoo, do you get regular reports on yes. clicks and page views and how right. much time yeah, they're spending? Three, yeah, you you're looking for that, and and what we're trying to do is is concentrate not so much on the on clicks as on levels of engagement. If somebody actually reads, scrolls all the way down to the bottom of the story, because like I say, it's easy to get somebody to get their attention real quickly, but you know, to, to just, you can do that just by, by screaming really loud when you're, when you're at the Marta station, but uh, to get them to pay attention to you, to get them to, and to come back to you, that's a whole different task. But does anyone think that the guy that gets the most clicks is the no, best writer out there? Not. Okay. And, and I think that's kind of the key point for analytics when we get into this this kind of realm, right? That analytics tell you things, but they don't tell you right. everything. And so my goal in this is, again, it's the opposite of big data. It's kind of a human-guided approach to analytics where we're, th- we're being thoughtful, we're thinking about measurement, but we're also trying to always capture kind of the, the big right. picture. It's, it, and it's, all, it's often about incremental improvements. You know, you figure out what, okay, people tend to like reading about this sport or that people tend to like reading about these kinds of perspectives rather than just straightforward game stories. So let's focus a little more attention in this direction. And so, yeah, it's, it's a small scale kind of data analysis that, that doesn't just take the big kind of broad strokes of, oh, well, if more people are clicking on it, then it must be good. That's not always the case. I think you make a nice point about that, the fact that this is a moving right. target right. as well. When you're when you're talking about and again whether it's academic research, the movie industry, uh, the, the the Office has been in the new the TV show The Office has been in the news right where the uh, I think Mindy Kaling, one of the former writers, is saying they couldn't make that show now right. Th- these kind of products are a moving target right. So what worked five years ago, you got to be adaptive. And the data from five years ago doesn't tell you what to do right. next. And it's it's perhaps. not even you know it's, it's both data and it's and it's culture. I mean. You know, you don't need on an extreme example. You go and t- take a look at some of the movies made in the '70s and '80s. There is no way they would get made today for a, a host of reasons, and and some because audiences' uh, tastes have changed, and some because what they did back then was wildly offensive by current standards. So it's it's you've constantly got to be aware that the market is changing, and to and it, there's only so much that you can do to force the audience to like what you want them to like. That's that's one thing that we will come back to that uh, that I encounter a number of times. It doesn't matter how many times I want to go and write a gigantic story about a, a, a dirt track racer in the in the wilds of Alabama. The audience is not going to pay attention to that. My takeaway from that statement, Jay, was now I understand why I don't go to movies anymore. Okay, okay so why don't we wrap it up from here? So... Uh, you know, for those of you listening on the side, you know, the next episode in the series will be a discussion about storytelling where, you know, really, Jay, you're going to, you're going to get, you know, 30 right. carries on that one. 
Um, we'll then follow it up with a conversation about analytics. So that'll be part three of it. For those of you that are joining us on campus, hopefully this has painted the picture for where we're going to go in the course. Um, we will, uh, you know, we'll actually start the, you know, day one of the class. So a little bit of a look ahead will be, you know, sort of Jay opening. I, I think of it as like Jay on sports radio. Well, you'll take their <laughs> questions. Phone lines uh, are open. Tell me what do you want to do with the quarterback situation. Yeah. And then we'll put a little bit of structure on there and we'll talk about sort of a, an analytical framework to managing fandom for class one. Uh, you got any last words I before we turn this off, I am looking forward Jay? to this. I want everyone to be don't, – don't be thinking that your ideas are stupid because even if they are, we'll make them better. So don't worry about stupid ideas. All ideas are good ideas. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. And, you know, like I said, like you guys get, we're doing this in a – I don't know if we call this high tech, but in a more modern technological framework, um, there is also going to be a page on the fandomanalytics.com blog devoted to where we're, this is where we'll put all the, the podcasts and whatever other notes we come across that we need to distribute through the, through the, th as we go through the course. Um, and I think that's, uh, I think that's it. So, uh, thanks for, so, so for some of you, we'll talk again on the, the via podcast and for those others of you will see you on campus well actually <laughs> i gotta stop myself right we'll see you via zoom <laughs>